0: Welcome to the Institute for Person-Centered Care podcast, where the principles of person-centered care come alive. We are able to bring you these podcasts through support from a Scott County Regional Authority grant and in collaboration with KALA-FM. In today's podcast, we discuss the engaging principles of person-centered care within adaptive recreational sport. This week's podcast host is Ann Garten. Anne is the director of the Institute for Person-Centered Care and nursing faculty at St. Ambrose University. Anne is also a lifelong sport enthusiast and in her earlier career supported therapeutic riding through volunteering, advocating for, and providing appropriate equipment and horses to what was at that time an early example of engaging those with different abilities in horse riding. Welcome to the Institute for Person-Centered Care podcast, brought to you by the Institute of Person-Centered Care in collaboration with KALA FM. I'm Ann Garten, Director of the Institute for Person-Centered Care at St. Ambrose University, and will be your host for today's podcast. Our episode today is titled Adaptive Sport, Inclusion for All. I'd like to introduce the SAU Assistant Professor in Kinesiology, Dr. Tyler Spencer. University of Iowa Assistant Director for Student and Member Engagement, Mallory Valentine, and SAU Occupational Therapy alum and avid rower in our local community, Tanya Bray, to today's podcast. Thank you all for joining us today, and I wonder if each of you would tell a little bit about your expertise in person-centered practices within adaptive sports.
1: Tyler, how about we start with you? Sure, no problem. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, uh, so my background basically is working in campus recreation and athletics, and I worked in various different jobs at various different institutions around the country, uh, serving uh, people of all abilities uh, in the campus recreation program and athletics. And, you know, throughout my entire time there, I was always trying to do better and meet the needs of all my clientele, um, and especially underserved populations. And that kind of led me to where I'm at now, which is uh, assistant professor and focusing more on um, sport management. And... I uh, I work, a lot of my research goes into serving people with disabilities and trying my best to uh, better the programs and initiatives that they have at uh, universities and campus recreation in athletics to meet the needs and desires of their entire student body, especially people with disabilities.
0: Excellent. Thanks for sharing. Mallory, will you tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: Sure. Uh Sure. As Ann mentioned, my name is Mallory Valentine. I'm the assistant director at uh, the University of Iowa. Specifically, I work with Recreational Services, which is the department on campus that uh, provides recreational opportunities for all students. Uh, In our role, we work with a variety of students, both undergrad and grad students, as well as faculty, staff, alumni, and community to provide a space for people to remain healthy and active on campus. Uh, We partner a lot with different people uh, on campus, and specifically in my role, I oversee our Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee that uh, intentionally focuses on providing options for our members to engage uh, at all levels on campus. Excellent. Thanks for sharing. I think I'm also going to
0: share with our listeners that we're being very person-centered, and you have a little one with you today who isn't feeling so well, so you may pop in and out as needed. Tanya, can you help
3: and share with us a little bit about your story? Sure. Hi, everyone, and good morning. I have been a therapist, an occupational therapist, for about 14 years now. I did graduate from St. Ambrose University in Davenport, as you all are familiar. And about a year after graduating, I happened to be driving over the I-74 bridge and saw all these people on the Mississippi River rowing. So that sparked my rowing career, and that was about 13 years ago. And then about three years into my rowing, I happened to be researching rowing technique and discovered there were adaptive rowing programs in the United States. So I started looking into that, and one thing led to another. And so I am the founder and one of the current coaches for the Y Quad Cities Adaptive Rowing Program. So we have uh, folks with all different kinds of disabilities, disabilities, We've had vision impairment, um, as well as cognitive and physical disabilities that participate in our rowing program on the Mississippi River in Moline. So we are on our ninth season, and we are very successful with our program, and we've actually been a model for uh, the Des Moines program. So I'm happy to be here and share this information with everyone. Excellent. Thanks. I think I also want to share a little bit with our listeners about some
0: history of my own in this world. And um, in my earlier career, I was a, uh, very involved in using therapeutic riding within the equestrian world uh, with people with different abilities and to support them. So I uh, have had some experience in this uh, myself. Tyler, I wonder if you could share a little bit, I know you shared a little bit about your research already, but I wonder if you can pull in how campus rec and adaptive rec are related to person-centered care.
1: Uh, Yeah, sure. And this kind of goes all the way back to when I was working full time as a a associate director of Campus Recreation and Wellness. And, you know, we were trying to better serve various different populations within our campus community. Um, And one of them that uh, one of the populations that we kept on seeing that weren't using the Campus Rec Center enough were people with disabilities. Um, so I was going out of my way to do research and trying to figure out uh, better ways to serve this population. It kind of just led direct, directly into my dissertation that I wrote uh, for my doc program. But uh, I was trying to figure out the best thing to do. So I was buying the best equipment, and I, and I was trying to educate people on how to use it, um, educate our staff on how to better serve people with disabilities. But then I just found out that, you know, I never talked to the people that are supposed to be using the equipment itself, you know. And I, I originally was going to say, you know, why have an accessible path within our campus rec center and, and just put a all the equipment right next to each other so it makes it even easier for them to use? And then I said, you know what, I should just ask them what they would prefer. It, it makes no sense for me to make this decision for them because I don't have a disability. Um, and so I started talking to them. I was like, no, we, we want to have that accessible path because uh, a vital component of us being in this facility and working mm. on this facility is the social aspect of it. And if I would have never had that conversation with them, I would have just made a decision without their knowledge and it wouldn't have benefited them. And it probably would have got them to be less involved with campus recreation than more involved in my full intention going through there. So a lot of my research kind of focuses on that and how I can talk to people and find out what their real, true needs and desires are and how I can better serve them in the recreation communities. And I've also seen this happen a lot in the community recreation uh, facilities and communities and how they have talked to people and talked to their constituents to see how they can best serve them and meet their individual needs and desires.
0: Exactly. Having them at the table and discussing their needs is that piece of person-centeredness that I think this really brings forth. Tanya, I think at this point, would you kind of explain how you have
3: done that within the adaptive rowing world? Sure. Uh, So when we established our program, um, it was myself and a fellow rower. Her name is Jessica Brady. And um, obviously we needed participants and kind of like Tyler you know, it occurred to me at a later time that I should just ask them. But what we did was, in order to get participants, was we met up with Robert Juarez, who has established an organization called QCA Adaptive Sports here in the Quad Cities. And what he does is facilitate events so that people can try out or even participate. He's created teams for Adaptive volleyball and basketball and road races and using hand bikes and oh gosh, tennis. So he is the organizer of all of those. <clears throat> so we knew that we needed someone like him if we were going to be successful with our program. So we brought him in right away. And um, it wasn't but a few months later that we were traveling to Louisville, Kentucky. To attend an adaptive rowing clinic. So they were actually our mentors throughout all of this with adaptive rowing. Um, And really, once we got Juarez on board, we talked about um, different strategies and equipment that we would need um, in conjunction with learning from Louisville. And I think because we had uh, Juarez in at an early date, he was, um, I don't know if any of you are familiar with him, but he was a Davenport firefighter that was injured on the job, and he's a T4 spinal cord injury. So he has extensive knowledge, and he's well-liked in the community. So with him being on board, we were really able to be successful and have that person-centered approach as to how is this going to work for you and and what, what do we need to do to help. And that's one of the, the things in our program that we really stand by is, we try to facilitate the highest level of independence with the least amount of assistance. Thank you. Mallory, I think this is
0: the piece where you have built that framework at the U of I, and and pulling that in is so important. To not have framework around PCC would make this much more difficult. So do you want to talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, I'd love to. I think I'll just highlight going back to what Tyler said is we are not the experts we we are not people who have experienced firsthand what others may be going through and so uh At the University of Iowa, we were really intentional to reach out to campus partners and community partners who knew what they were doing to to bring it into our facilities and our programs. And so uh, two examples I'd I'd like to highlight is we partnered with Special Olympics Iowa to offer unified sports uh, as a part of our intramural program for students on campus. And then we've also partnered with Therapeutic Rec uh, on campus to work with their students in providing specific programming Uh, for our members to uh, experience whether they are um, a person who has a disability or not, to try and integrate that and educate both our, our campus as well as our community that way.
0: Thank you. Thanks for sharing. And I think an important piece is because we keep going back a little bit to campus rec, but these things are happening in our communities across the nation. And and for people to understand that they can reach out and, and support with the framework, but to engage others um, with different abilities than our own to actually be in part of the conversation will make that framework so much easier. Would you agree, Tyler?
1: Oh, yeah, I would, you know, and that kind of goes to the framework or the the background of NRSA, which is the National Environmental Rec Sports Association, and their efforts to share ideas and, and to, to collaborate with other institutions and other entities. So regardless if it's a community recreation, parks and rec, uh, private recreation facility, private recreation program, anything, national program, international, we are always willing to share ideas And collaborate because in the the grand scheme of everything um, you can't just do it by yourself you know in order to build a a lasting legacy of something you need multiple different partners to assist each other and to share resources and ideas uh, to get um, to get you know adaptive sports and competitive adaptive sports where we want it to be in the future
0: agreed I have a personal friend Chloe Lansing who is actually um, born a macroducttoly and she is a power lifter and she says that that so many times she has tried to be a part of competition and they don't understand her specific needs and they don't they don't include her in that conversation they try to make the rules sometimes around that and so she has become very involved in disabled girls who lift and through that process has uh, been able to transform some of that uh, piece uh, with others. And then I think the other piece that I'd like to pull in is how she states when she was growing up, there was nobody like her uh, that she knew. So she felt a little isolated in that. And, and the benefits of this type of um, uh, recreation was, was tenfold for her. And I think, Tanya, you have some great examples around that.
3: Yeah, it it brings to mind um, one of my favorite rowers, not that I have favorites, but Jenny has been with us for, so this is our ninth season, so she's been with us for eight seasons. And Jenny has cerebral palsy, and she also has some cognitive challenges. And when she first started rowing with us, she would not even make eye contact with us. So it took a long time for her to warm up to us. And then when I would introduce her around the boathouse to, you know, various people that were there, she really wouldn't make eye contact with them. Well, here we are eight years later, and um, the physical and mental benefits of participating in a sport really shine through with Jenny. She has lost a significant amount of weight. I, I don't know how much exactly, but quite a bit. And the other thing that I've noticed is her confidence level is so much better. And when I introduce her to someone new, someone she's never met, she doesn't look away. She's very confident, and she's very proud to be a rower. And she shares that in the community with, you know, she, she has a job on the weekends that she works at, and she shares, talks about rowing, um, but just her confidence level. And when I first started rowing with her, there was a lot of um, – me having to give verbal commands and also physically assisting in the boat. I row a double with her, and I just the other day um, I realized we had been out rowing for an hour and we got back to the dock and not once did I give her a verbal command or assist her physically. So she has grown so much in these past eight years, and it and it carries over into her everyday life with her confidence and her physical improvements with her house. I love stories like that. I Mm -hmm. think the
0: piece that is important to also bring in is that person-centered approach is not a one-sided approach. And I wonder if you can share, because... Rowing on the Mississippi is, is, can be a little treacherous. So how yeah. do you be a team and, and be their guide um, and, and let them be person-centered and be part in, and active in the decision-making, but also maintain the safety and those pieces that we need to do? I know we do that in the equestrian world around
3: therapeutic riding, and, and, and I'm certain you do as well. Absolutely. With anybody starting rowing, uh, whether you have a disability or not, you're learning the ins and outs of the Mississippi river and it's very dangerous and it's very dynamic. It changes, you know, within a half hour, it can change. So we start with education and we, we lay down our rules and we do follow us rowing rules. And, um, we also follow the U S coast guard rules as far as when we can go out and, um, we also have our boathouse rules, which involve the traffic pattern. So we, we teach all of that. We teach safety right from the get-go. We we let everybody know, every rower know, what the expectations are for safety, and we expect those to be adhered to. Um, the thing that we make clear is if you are unsafe, you're not only risking your life, but you're risking the lives of, of your teammates because if we have to leave them to tend to you then that's a real problem so we make it very clear but you know some things are very um they have a lot of variables to them so as a team as an adaptive rowing club we discuss that with everyone we we try to make decisions together always and get the input of the rowers and it's not just one person making a decision we make it as a team and they are included Yes, we do the same. Helmets are always uh, a part of riding,
0: whether you're in a carriage or um, actually on top of a, a pony or horse. And and there are key things that we just maintain for the safety of everyone and, and make that very much um, uh, a communication, a, a positive communication, but always keep that at the forefront. I wonder if we talk a little bit, I know we were talking uh, the other day about what's, what's next. Tyler, what do you think? What's next in adaptive activities?
1: You know, uh, we have to continue uh, to provide more and more opportunities. That's, that's the biggest thing for, that I see. Um, but really advancing those opportunities to go from just the recreational side of things to maybe feed that competitive spirit a little bit more and take it more to a more of a competitive level um, on the same level as most varsity sports, you know, and then international sports. We have the Paralympics, but we don't really have too many – options beneath the Paralympics to really have that competitive outlook, especially in a collegiate setting. Um, so I really think that's that those little feeder programs in your youth sports, in your collegiate time span, and then after post-graduate uh, stuff. Um, I think that's really the future that we need to start looking at um, while also continuing to provide more opportunities.
2: Mallory, your thoughts? Yeah, I think for us, it's it's about being inclusive and for all, whether that's uh, facility space and the design of our facilities, or the equipment that we provide, or the programming. Really looking beyond necessarily the physical barriers, because sometimes you don't always see them. Right? There's there's some barriers that people have that are hidden. Um, And so just really trying to have people at the table as we redesign our facilities, our programs, our offerings, to try and meet the needs for all and and provide a welcoming space is, I think, where collegiate recreation will be moving. Excellent. Totally agree. Tanya, your thoughts?
3: I think we're all definitely on the same page with inclusion. Um, Inclusion in, you know, our regattas, for example, uh, our our rowers, our adaptive rowers, take a little more time to enter and exit their boats. So, including um, the appropriate amount of time, but including them in the regatta and making that happen and facilitating it so that it's not, um, you know, it's a smooth transition when when our folks get on and off the water. Um, what I what I do want to say that I think is very important when we have new volunteers that come on, what I hear pretty consistently is, oh my gosh, they're so amazing, you know, rowing with a disability on the Mississippi River. So what I say is to them, do not be enamored with our rowers because they're rowing with a disability, but be enamored with them because they're rowing on the Mississippi River. <laughs> you know, it's, okay. it's a pretty brave task for anyone. So I don't... um went um, cheering louder or, you know, making an exception. I just want them to be appreciated for the fact that they're participating in this amazing sport. I agree. I think sometimes
0: we need to remind ourselves to be mindful, and that they don't want to be on display. They this is just a, not just. It, this is an activity that they want to participate in, just like I want to participate in being an equestrian myself. And so we need to embrace that and not put them on display to make ourselves feel better. Right? Absolutely. Yes. I want to thank every single one of you for joining us today and, and sharing all the good things that are happening in the realm of recreational adapt- adaptive, activities. And um, anyone have any closing words of wisdom you want to share?
1: Yeah, I, I can share a little bit more and just, you know, when we we're thinking about this and, and Molly can probably speak to this a little bit more, but you know, sports provide a unique opportunity um, for a holistic experience in your mind body and soul. Um and with this in any type of inclusion activity especially with the unified sports programs where you're you're integrating people with abilities and with disabilities and providing an avenue for them to compete on the same playing field and interact with each other uh that's a unique experience in their in themselves and it's giving benefits to both people with disabilities and everyone else that's involved and they're learning new skills and and ways to interact with each other and building upon their own personal experiences and understanding a little bit more diverse backgrounds within that. Um, And I I just can't talk about it enough to be honest.
2: Mallory, do you want to add to that? Yeah. I mean, I would agree with Tyler that it's really important uh, that we provide that space and platform. The other thing I would just add would be ask, (laughs) like I'm, in, at least at the University of Iowa, we are so open to partnering with people. So if you have ideas or op- opportunities to bridge the gap that might not currently be there, uh, we would love to partner. And I know most collegiate recreation departments are the same mentality. And so thinking differently and, and innovatively about ways to engage everyone is, is important. So just ask. Tanya, any words, last words of wisdom? Yes,
3: I always encourage people um, to not be intimidated when it comes to volunteering or even starting a program in their community. Uh, I, I'm a therapist, and that, that did give me confidence to move forward with it, but I will say my volunteers are not medical people. I have um, a businesswoman that is a hairdresser. I have a dentist. Um, I have um, a homemaker. I have, you know... Just People in the community that can help. And and if you can do something, you know, start start an adaptive program of your own or volunteer for an adaptive program, you're going to make a real difference in your community. Um, The other thing I would say is when you do participate in those adaptive recreations, please um, be aware and and stress the importance of putting the person first, putting – that their ideas first, asking them, um, not just implementing something, you know, because what works for one doesn't always work for the other. So it's very important that you you let them take the lead. Um, and, and last but not least, just see the person, not the disability, not the wheelchair. Uh, see the person and their abilities. I concur and I'm going to steal a quote from you that from the other day that I think
0: in conclusion totally says it all nothing about us without us thanks all for joining us have a great day for listening to the Institute for Person-Centered Care podcast brought to you by St. Ambrose University's Institute for Person-Centered Care and KALAFM. Tune in to our next podcast where we will discuss person-centeredness through trauma-informed care. You can learn more about the Institute for Person-Centered Care by connecting with us on Facebook and Twitter.